You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Stuart Cameron struggled with addiction for years and experienced just about everything you can imagine that is associated with such pain. Today, he is a recovery advocate, encouraging us to have hearts of compassion and go deeper in how we respond to people in the grips of addiction. In the interview you're about to hear, Stuart shares some of his journey and challenges us in how we respond. In June, Stuart co-hosted Canada Cares, an online summit that calls the Canadian Church to prayer and action on the opioid crisis that is raging through our country. The summit was presented by Crossroads Christian Communications and is available online at www.canada-cares.ca. Stuart, you uh, are described as a recovery advocate, and I'm not sure I know what that means. Can you help us understand? Yeah, no worries. Um, so recovery for me means uh, I'm sober for a little while from my drug of choice, and uh, I'm just trying to end the stigma and show compassion and uh, non-judgmental attitude towards people who are in recovery. Okay. And that non-judgmental attitude, I'm sure that that must be so important and maybe hard for some people to adopt. Can you help us understand why that's so important and how we can move to that place of just pure compassion? Well, I think people um, are judgmental, and this is just my opinion, um, because that they can clearly see that there's a drug issue or alcohol issue. But uh, if there was a the exact same highlight on an anger issue or a lying issue. Um, and we went with the same judgment. So we just want to remember that these are people who are going through something very difficult and they're just trying to connect with something. And if we just realize that we're all people, I think the judgment and the judgment will leave and then compassion would enter in. So connecting with what makes us similar in our, our common humanity, right? It, it's so important. Tell us a little bit more, uh, a little bit about your journey. I know you had struggles with um, alcohol and drug addiction, and then you found your way out of that. Can you tell us your story a little bit, Stuart? Well, it's even funny that you said, like, I found my way out of that because it was, uh, I didn't do anything. I was, uh, I've been drinking and, uh, doing drugs for approximately 15 years of my life. And three years ago, um, I ended up in the same place, detox, like the 20th time in Hamilton. And uh, my sponsor on an Easter Sunday came to visit me. I, I, I was blown away because he has a family, kids, and he pointed out this line to me in a book and he said, no matter what you do, you can do it. So for me, that meant... I have to let go of what I think I know, give it all to God. And for the first time I experienced, no matter how right I do, no matter how wrong I do, God loves me for who I am. And had you um, had like a background going to church or was the faith component in this message that God loves you just how you are? Was that a new message for you? Well, for 17 years of my life, I never went to church. But when my mom died at the age of 17, I met my aunt, um, my mom's sister, for the first time in my life. And uh, I started going to church, uh, but I didn't go to hear anything. I just went to build that relationship. So I kind of understood God love, God's love, but I never really truly experienced it. 
And what role did the church play for you? Like, and I mean, sort of big C church, so people of faith, Christians who came alongside it. It sounds like your mentor gave you such an important message of just God's unconditional love. How else did the church come alongside you, Stuart? In total uh, non-disrespect, um, it was brutal um, because I would be drinking, I would have mental health issues, and they just were not um, educated enough to handle me because it's okay, okay, Stu, let's pray, let's read the Bible. And I would do that, and yet I would still go back to drinking, depression, anxiety, and I thought there, there was something wrong with me. So what did help? It's a long journey, so I don't know quite how to answer that, but uh, when I met my end's reach, I went to a 12-step program, which is Christian-based, and they helped me break down the Bible. And not only that, I met people who were pretty much explained the Bible to me in today's age. Um, instead of sin, it was selfish. Um, instead of uh, Holy Spirit, it was authentic. So it was just people breaking it down for me that really helped me out. Okay. So what I, um, what I think I hear you saying too, is that sometimes maybe we give really like pat answers to very complicated problems um, as Christians trying to help. So tell us more about how we can do better. Like if I met you, Stuart, years ago, how could I have been a better friend to you right where you were then? Well, first of all, you can give me 10 bucks on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you know what, just to be honest with you, um, just a compassionate eye, because you know what, like when I was uh, standing on the corner begging for change, you can only imagine the looks that I got. Um, so just look, for you to look at me in my eyes as a person rather than, oh, this guy, look at him, bum. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you're the um, second person I've spoken to in recent months who have has said that exact same thing to me, that when we walk by someone on the street, <clears throat> if we do nothing else, we should look them in the eye and smile or show them some warmth. Um, so obviously that's really important. Oh yeah. It, like it means the world because you already know that uh, you feel like a piece of crap for doing what you're doing. But then when someone looks you in the eyes and just maybe gives you a nod or just even looks at you, you feel like, you know what? I, I feel important. That idea of being seen is pretty important, obviously. Um, We know that Canada is in the middle of a a huge opioid addiction crisis. How can, now I'm thinking about the level of local churches, how could a local church say in a city, or I'm sure this problem is in small towns too, but become more aware and actually do something to help with this crisis? Well, again, I would say get educated on the actual issue. Um, People tend to think it's a moral issue, but it's a health issue. So once you see it from those eyes, you would have, I would at least tend to have a more compassion towards the issue. And then um, there's a lot of uh, consumption and treatment services or safe injection sites that are getting shut down because there's a huge stigma that surrounds that and says, oh, once people come to do that, there's going to be needles around my house. There's more drug use. That's not true. People go in with their own drugs, use a safe needle. Needle gets dispensed on its own. And just in case they overdose, so imagine that was your friend, family member, they're going to be watched and make sure that if they do unfortunately have a bad overdose, 
they will get revived. And that's a huge thing. Yeah, I think that's really hard uh, for people to get their heads around. For a church, for example, they would feel like they were condoning that. And help push back on that, Stuart. Help, help us understand how, how a church could think their way through that. I totally understand where they're coming from. But it's not a, a drug issue because if, if they're there or not, they're going to do, uh, do, I'm sorry, do the drug. But it's a safe issue. It's a safety issue. There's fentanyl being laced in our drugs. And not based on what they do, but it's coming in from somewhere else. So when they do that deadly, deadly drug, I know it sucks, but at least they're doing it so they don't die. Where are you now, Stuart, with your life of faith? How how are you getting by? How are you uh, growing in your faith? Um, are you involved with the church? Tell us about that part of your life. Well, I think you should ask my girlfriend on that one, and she'll give you a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> they always tell the truth, so I'm not the one to ask. <laughs> they always tell the truth. Tell, tell me, though. Tell me how you're doing now and how you stay um, with, obviously, the grace of God and the help of friends on the road of that you're on now, the healthy place. Well, I learned from the uh, 12-step program that I went to to uh, practice certain principles, like surrender, openness, willingness, and praying, meditating. So that keeps me my, uh, my recovery on focus. And then when I go through uh, difficult challenges, I, uh, I always tend to think about myself. My mind's like, what about this? What about that? What if you do this? What if you do that? But the minute that I take my mind off me and onto someone else, all those thoughts dissipate, and all of a sudden I'm brought to, back to a place of gratitude. Wow, that's wonderful. You recently helped um, co-host a show with uh, Crossroads Christian Communications called Canada Cares, where you were basically calling the church to action and to respond well to addiction, I think in general, but the opioid crisis in, in particular. Tell us, how did you get involved with that, Stuart? Well, um, because I'm in recovery, but uh, my friend Daniel, he passed away on, uh, sorry, December 30th of last year. And uh, I just, I couldn't believe it. I wish I'd done more. And I was just, it was just really bad for me. And then um, Lorna came up and asked me about, uh, have you heard about the opioid crisis? And we got into a little bit of a chat. And uh, a few weeks later, we uh we decided to do the to, um decided to do the stomach, but uh, it's mainly based off for me, uh, for my friend Daniel. It's uh, I just I just couldn't believe it. That was a I mean every death is hard, but it sounds like that was really a terrible blow. It had to have been. Oh yeah, I'm uh, sorry for crying, but who's uh, my uh, my best friend? Yeah. Do you have friends now that are still really struggling with addiction that you meet with? Oh yeah, especially one friend of mine. Uh, he uh, he really struggles with a uh, low self esteem. He comes from a great home, so that just shows that it's not any external factors. It's a total mental health issue. He uh, for no reason, great looking guy, really smart. Mm-hmm. 
struggles with low self-esteem, and then he goes and injects himself with uh, crystal meth. And it's just like, what? Yeah, that must be brutal to watch. Uh, Do you have advice for parents of children? You just said that really important thing that this can happen in any household and anyone who reads the newspaper who, or listens to the news should already know that there's no one exempt from this threat. Uh, so what would you say to parents today with who have teenagers or people who are vulnerable? I guess they're all vulnerable, but what advice? Do you <laughs> no, I know, no, to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, I would give you guys a huge round of applause. Um, what you go through is so distinct and so amazing in the sense of your courage and your strength. Um, Number one, I would say get educated because I think every individual case is so specific that you can't just brand it all to say that to do this, do this, do that. For me, it took a tough love kind of route, but I know people that it just showed continuous compassion and love towards their child because they didn't feel that themselves and also helping get the right help, counselor, therapy, whatever the case may be. But if you do have an issue, I would number one say, look for outside help. I won't tell you how to do it, but there's definitely help out there for you. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I think sometimes uh, we like as families, maybe even as Christian families, especially, we might fall into the temptation of pretending we have it all together. But with a problem like this, you do need outside help. That will break you down when we think that we have it all together. When yeah, we have a family, we're going through the kind of things that we go through. They're only going to be hiding it for so long. And I think the most important uh, character in getting help is vulnerability because it shows humility. We don't know all the answers. And all of a sudden, the person that we love will actually get help. And I might mean letting them stay at home, but there's also healthy boundaries in the sense of you have to let them go. You must push them away in order for them to get help. Okay. Wow. Really difficult, but um, you bring such a example of hope, Stuart, just with what you have managed uh, to do. And I understand um, with, with the help of God and others, but thank you so much for helping us understand this a bit more. If people um, want to view the show, you record it with Lorna Duick and understand more about the opioid crisis and addiction in general and how how the Canadian Christian community can be involved. Uh, where can we go to watch that? Well, first of all, I want you to get a nice pop, nice can of pop, some chips, relax. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I want you to go to canada-cares.ca. It's a pretty much two-hour event, and the first 45 minutes breaks it down, the stigma, the compassion, everything that you need to know about how we should treat Uh, people who are experiencing addiction. And then there's 45 minutes of prayer at the end. And please, even though it already happened, we still need to pray about those subjects. But you can go to canada-cares.ca. Stuart, thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a trip. I told you I'm homeless. Now I'm here. I almost feel like the Toronto Raptors. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.